Welcome back to the AGD podcast series. I'm Dr. Wes Blakesley, and I'll be your host today. Let's start with a quick question. Have you ever made a really bad decision in your practice? Have you made several bad decisions? Gosh, I have over the last 40 years. But hey, we're trained to be dentists, right? Not how to run a practice with all of its moving parts and pieces. Today, we're going to have some fun with Dr. Rich Maddow, one of the most entertaining dentists I've met, who also happens to be a practice management consultant. Rich, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. How are you today, Wes? It's a great day. The Jersey Shore, the clouds are lifting, the rain's going away, and I'm off to the mall with my daughter. <laughs> what could be more fun than that? <laughs> Nothing, actually. Rich, thanks for being with us today. Uh, I met you about 10 years ago at a meeting, and, and we really had a lot of fun. You were, you were speaking, you were playing your guitar, everyone had a good time. And uh, ever since then, I've been trying to get you on a podcast, and here you are. But before we launch into our questions and so on, uh, tell uh, the members listening in a little bit about your uh, background in dentistry and what you do right now. Sure. I'm an actual dentist, which I, I'm really always uh, proud to point out because so many people these days are called dental consultants, dental coaches, whatever. I'm, you know, as you know, anybody with a Facebook account can go in and call themselves a dental consultant. But um, I've been doing this for over three decades. And again, I'm a real dentist, just like you, if you're listening. So I've been kicked. I've been bitten. I, I know what it's like to prep the distal of number two on a patient who's squirming and salivating. Um, you know, I led a large team, dealt with insurance companies, all those things that, that you've done and that you still do. I've done them all. And uh, many, many years ago, three decades ago, actually, my brother Dave and I, he's a dentist as well, uh, founded the Matto Center for Dental Practice Success. And we've been speaking, coaching, teaching. We actually owned a very large uh, Las Vegas convention called TBSE for 25 years, which we finally retired. Um, I visited, I have visited hundreds, maybe thousands of dental practices across North America and spoken to tens of thousands of dentists and team members. Um, and it's just been so much fun being involved in dentistry from this aspect where I get to meet so many interesting and cool people. And even some of them, I get to work with them and help their practices. So I've been loving every second of it. And I'm so glad to be on the AGD podcast. You guys are a great organization. You've been uh, just such a proponent of quality dentistry for so many years. So it's an honor to be here. Thanks, Rich. It's a nice compliment. And I'll accept it on behalf of the AGD. So we're going to talk about dumb things that smart dentists do. And in my preface, we all, we've done it and we do it. And we're going to go through some questions. So I'm going to be the quarterback and you're going to be the wide receiver. So I'm going to grab a question and I'm going to lob it to you and I'm going to let you go. Okay. Sure. Hopefully I won't drop the ball. <laughs> I could never imagine that. So first question is dumb thing. Number one. Okay. Focusing on new patients while ignoring existing ones. Yeah, it's a dumb thing. And you know, you, you gave it a great introduction and you know, let's face it. I, I'm not here to, compliment us but dentists are pretty darn smart you know we had to do really well in undergrad in a difficult major get into dental school be treated like crap so many of us in dental school come out we're kind of launched there on our own and many of us open a business right away so we've got to really be smart to do this but also there are some dumb things that we do and i've done them all you said you've done some of them and one of them is that new patient fix and i know that I'd say 70 to 75% of the time when somebody contacts us at the Matto Center to talk about how we can help their practice. And we say, well, tell us what's going on. 
they always say, we need more new patients. We need more new patients. And look, we love new patients. New patients make your practice grow. But the crazy thing is when we do a data analysis and really do the deep dive into the data, we find that just about every practice has this large pool of patients who have, and you can phrase it any way you want, fallen through the cracks, gone into the black hole, walked out the back door, so many different ways to phrase it. But these are people who have come into your practice. They know where you're located. You have all their information. They probably like you and respect you a lot, but for some reason, they are not on the schedule. And it's so much easier, so much more efficient, and so much more effective to mine this pool of patients who already have been to your practice rather than spend the marketing money trying to go after new patients. So, so we find this is just a dumb thing that new patients do, and that is neglect the people who have already been to their practice. All right, ready for another pass? Sure, sure, sure. I, I, any, anything you say. <laughs> All right. Dumb thing number two, not answering the phone every time it rings, putting anyone with a pulse at the front desk. Wow. You know, our telephones, man, they are so important. Uh, let's face it, no matter how great our referrals are, and we love it when a, an existing patient refers one of their friends or colleagues to our practice. That's the best. Or maybe we're doing all kinds of marketing. And we're, we've really done a fantastic job with our SEO and people are clicking and calling. Um, pretty much almost every single time a new patient comes into our office, it's through the telephone. So the way that we answer our telephones, and if we answer our telephones, maybe even more importantly, is so crucial. So I've done literally tens of thousands of secret shopper calls to dental practices. I used to do them live at our seminars. I stopped doing them. You know, We would just like hook up the phone, what's well, so easy to do these days, to the laptop, play it over the speaker system. I would just call random practices in our location where we were giving a seminar, and I don't do it anymore. And it's not because I got someone mad in the crowd and they started crying or because we were sued for defamation. That's not why. It's because 50% of the time calling a dental office during normal business hours, no one answered the telephone. This is just unacceptable. Think of all the effort we put into this, you know, to get our telephone to ring. It's, and then somebody calls our office. Out of all the offices in our area, they pick ours and we're not gonna answer the phone, you gotta be kidding me. And we get a voicemail like, if you're hearing this during normal practice hours, it means we're busy treating other patients. No, uh, 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 what does that mean to a new patient? You know, a new patient is nervous. They don't really wanna be there. They would rather hang up the phone, right? And then we're gonna give them voicemail saying we're too busy for them, or we're currently at lunch. This is unacceptable. When, when somebody calls your office, you gotta pick up the phone, that's like, Dentistry 101. I'm sure you've experienced this before when calling another business or a physician or whatever, where you want to get through and they just don't answer. Isn't it incredibly frustrating? It's a big turnoff. And a lot of times yeah. the patients hang up and call someone else. And uh, absolutely, we're all, we're all guilty of that. All right. Thumb thing number three. Well, hold Bye. on. I'm not finished thing number two yet. Hang on. All right. Well, let me go back. Because. Let me get back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Delay of game. Um, the other thing in dumb thing number two, if you do answer the phone, is having somebody that, that doesn't really have the skills to handle, especially a potential new patient call. And this is not a knock on that hardworking, dedicated front desk person. Usually it's just a matter of training. And um, 
on our podcast, the Dental Practice Fixers, just about every week I do two or three mystery shopper calls. And so many of the people that answer the phone are so kind and they, they're knowledgeable. They give great information. They're patient, all these things. But then they let the phone call end and never ask for the appointment. It's just mind blowing. I could have a two minute conversation with somebody or three minute and ask, you know, the questions that we don't like. How much do you charge for a cleaning? Do you take my insurance, whatever? And they do a really nice job. But then at the end, they don't say, we'd love to see you as a new patient in our practice. We can see you today at 11.30 a.m. And if that's not convenient, we've got next Monday at 2.30 p.m., which works best for you. They'll just let a potential new patient hang up without offering the appointment, without getting their information, their name, their phone number, nothing. What a missed opportunity. So that's dumb thing 2B. This is way two A and two B. A lot of people don't know we're accepting new patients. They think we're busy, and uh, that's yes. another thing that drives me crazy. Yes, we are accepting new so patients. So true. So okay. true. All right, ready? Dump sure. number three. Buy it, and they will come. Oh, this one drives me crazy. And again, <laughs> this is based on not just my personal experience and mistakes that I made in my practice. But so many dentists that I talk to that come to us for suggestions or help with their practices. Um, so often our practices aren't doing as well as we'd like. Maybe they've plateaued. Um, our production and collections are even going downhill, which is really scary to see. Or for some reason, we think that we need to improve our practices. And then we go to the big convention or we, where we're surfing around online. And we think that buying this piece of tech equipment is going to be the answer. That's going to save our practice. That's going to put us in the in the big, you know, the big upswing if we purchase this piece of equipment. I just want to clarify this by saying I am not a luddite. I love tech. I think um, you know, being able to to mill your own crowns in your practice is unbelievable. I know that CBCTs give incredible images and they will help you do better treatment. I'm not against these things, but what I am against is when a doctor goes into debt, and often we're talking six figures of debt that they can't afford because some salesperson told them that if you get this piece of equipment, it will grow your practice. And many times, or just about all the time, it just won't. Will it provide better treatment? Possibly, and that's great. Will it make life easier for the doctor and the team? Maybe it will. But usually these pieces of equipment or this high-tech stuff just will not grow your practice. And it's really sad to see, especially a doctor that's already in a little bit of debt, go into more debt thinking this is gonna be the solution. If I just buy this gadget, everything will be better. And it's usually not true. Agree, absolutely. Uh, dumb thing number four, trying to sell dentistry. Wow, this one, it just drives me nuts. And that is, trying to get this case acceptance. And I know there are some, you know, and I've taken these courses, these case acceptance courses, and, and they teach things like, you know, what you have to do is get the patient in your private office. And we're, we're talking about, you know, larger cases here, not just a, a prophy and a crown. You know, we're talking about cases that involve scaling and replaning and multiple restorations, maybe implants, this kind of stuff. Think about this for a second. Usually when a new patient comes to your office, they're not saying something like, I know I need a ton of work. I've got 20,000 in cash because my uncle just died and left it to me. And I want you to block out next Tuesday. I mean, if it happens, great, that's fun. But it usually doesn't happen. Usually a new patient calls our office because 
the, and this is in their words, they chipped the filling, they got new insurance, they're overdue for a cleaning. Now look, we know many times these types of patients call our practice and they're way overdue and they need tons of treatment. But then we make the mistake of kind of cornering them in our private office, throwing this high pressure treatment plan on our desk. It's got all the teeth listed with the ADA codes and the procedures and the fees. And we say, that's gonna be $20,000, yes or no. Now this is somebody who came in because they were overdue for a cleaning or because they chipped the tooth or they're having a little bit of pain. And we're overloading them with information and high pressuring them. And it's just working against human nature. And we're trying to sell them all this dentistry. And it's just not the way things work. And every now and then somebody says yes. And we think that we're the greatest treatment plan presenter in the world. But most of the time they say something like, I need to think about it. I need to talk this over with my spouse. I need to talk it over with my accountant, my attorney, my Sherpa, my financial planner, whatever. And you never see them again because we've scared the living you know what out of them. It's not working with human nature. And I'm much more a proponent of telling the patient about the treatment they need. I mean, we've got to be ethical. We can't let them think that they don't need this treatment, but doing it one step at a time at a sequence and a pace that's comfortable for the patient. And I always say, it's not about having them say yes to the treatment right away. It's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not about when they get their treatment done. It's about where they get their treatment done. If we scare them away, trying to push a lot of treatment on them at once, we'll never see them again. It's about where they get their treatment done, meaning we've got to work with human nature. We can't be pushy. It's about trust. It's about wanting to be in your office. It's about liking the team, liking the practice, trusting the dentist, and letting them get the treatment done at a pace that's comfortable for them instead of being, you know, the used car salesman in the plaid jacket. There's a saying I heard a long time ago. I don't know who said it, but we kind of go. It's like our mantra in the office. Some will, some won't, and some wait. And it, it's, I've been a dentist 42 years. It's surprising at who comes back. That has never ceased to amaze me. The patient we've written off, five, 10 years later, they come back, you go, I'm ready. And they start. So true. I love that. Some will, some won't, and some wait. And some so, wait. Yeah. That's, it's great. You know, and it kind of reminds me of, again, some of these high pressure treatment plan acceptance courses I've taken where they say um, something crazy. I don't know where they get this stuff, but it's like, you've got to ask the patient 12 times before they say yes. I'm thinking like, what do you do? Like, do you want this treatment? No. Well, would you like to have this treatment? No. Okay. Well, that's only two times. I've got 10 more. You know, would you like to have this treatment? No, it's, <laughs> I don't know. You, you can't pressure people. You've got to become their trusted advisor, their trusted health professional. That's the way it works. Yeah. So as, as my friend, Dr. West said, some will, <laughs> some won't, and some wait. Very true. It's not uncommon. I'm an implant dentist. That's my, my focus in dentistry, that it takes two and three consultations, uh, which I don't charge for. I, I just, we do them around our schedule and they're kind of fun, but sometimes it takes up to three consultations before we get a patient on board. And then uh, once they understand, once I understand them and they understand us, then the, the uh, treatment plan takes off. So that's what we find. Uh, right, because it, it takes them that long to trust you and to like you and to realize that, hey, you're the guy. You know, it, it doesn't happen in 10 minutes. They don't, even though people are internet dentists, they don't understand the nuances, especially with implant dentistry. And it takes time for them to embrace that. So we're, we're patient. We're patient because they're fun cases. And they're the cases I want to do. And uh, that's what's it's worked for us. So I'm just yep. throwing it out Absolutely. there. Absolutely.
Dr. Google's not placing implants yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) But soon. Right, maybe one day. I know. All right, thing number five, ignoring dance with who brung you. Let's talk about that one. I like that. Yeah, have you ever heard that expression before, dance with who brung you? Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> kind of kind of a Southern expression. Uh, I live in Maryland, so we're below the Mason-Dixon line. I don't feel like it's a Southern state, but I think we still get some of that Southern influence here down from our neighbors in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, whatever. So uh, a typical Southern expression is dance with who brung you. And a mistake I see so many dentists make is not dancing with who brung them. And I'll give kind of two versions of this. In, in either case, um, our practice isn't doing as well as we would like, and we want to take action and do something about it. So that's great. You know, realizing that it's time to take action is fantastic. But sometimes dentists get distracted and they think, oh, I'll make more money if I sign up with this MLM and sell, you know, $800 hand lotion in my office. That's going to be how I'm going to make money. Or um, they'll get they'll invest in their nephew's brew pub or just something like that. And, oh, how much fun would that be? I'm going to be at the brew pub every night till 2 a.m. and then come in to see my 8 a.m. patient because we lose focus. And again, we all have different talents, different skills, different desires. But for most dentists, who brung us is dentistry. Who brung us is doing high quality dentistry on great patients. And that's who brung us. And it's not... Um, you know, trying to sell some multi-level marketing mouth rinse in your office and just annoying the heck out of everyone. It's usually not investing in uh, someone else's business or someone else's crazy scheme. I know many dentists have done well with outside investments and secondary streams of income, and that's great. But I've seen way too many dentists lose their shirts when they get involved in that. So that's one part of Dance Who Bring with Dance with Who Bring It. The other part is maybe getting involved with these esoteric treatments that not that many patients need and just dedicating yourself to becoming an expert in an area of dentistry that's not all that needed. Now you're an implant dentist. That is something that patients need, right? Patients are missing teeth, they need implants. My favorite procedure I think is is the old endocorn crown because it's fun, patients need it, it's profitable. If you've worked on your skills, it's relatively easy and it's just the way to go. So again, I think sometimes we lose focus and start doing these things that are learning about things our patients don't really need. And the one that drives me crazy, and again, I know some dentists have been successful with this, so my apologies to you if you want to debate me, but dentists to get involved with, uh, I know you can't see me, but I'm putting my fingers in air quotes right now, (laughs) satellite offices. I've seen so many dentists go down the tubes with satellite offices because you automatically double your overhead, you're stretched too thin, you can't give both offices the attention they need. And then what the heck's a satellite office anyway, an office that rotates around your regular office? It just makes no sense when there's still plenty of room for growth in their primary office. Why would you want to double your overhead, have double the staffing headaches, and an office that you can't give all your attention to? Again, I know they've worked well for some dentists, but for most dentists, the success Dancing with Who Brung You is doing basic dentistry in one location, working on patients who need and want the treatment that you're able to offer them. So, wow, that was a long speech, wasn't it? No, that's that an excellent question. Uh, for the younger doctors listening in, there's a lot of value in what Rich just talked about, the, the endo, the post-nicore, the crown. Those are very predictable procedures, and on a time dollar basis, they are very profitable procedures, not only for you, for the patient. 
Uh, you know, in our practice, I place implants. What's my great case? A single implant and a screw retain restoration. Uh, they're predictable. The patients love them. You don't have to refer it out. And uh, my, my last comment on this, beware of the complex cases. That becomes a marriage to the patient. And I so agree. You, you don't want to be married to every patient and be very careful who you get married to. <laughs> right. That's, so. that's why we have our fantastic specialists, because, you know, look, not only are you married to a patient that's going to hock the crap out of you, but then you've got, it's not profitable because you're spending so much time with that patient. It can be damaging to your reputation. So yeah, knowing when to refer and when not to refer is a, just an invaluable skill. Yeah, but your answer to that question was aces. I love that. I'd like oh, to just thanks. pull that out of the podcast and just and, and put that out there for the the uh, the, the newer graduate. Uh, a lot of a lot of wisdom in there. Uh, we're we're on actually number six right now, uh, and I love this. And there's I have my own story behind this, but I'm not going to steal your thunder. Dumb thing number six: not using specialized professionals. I love this, and I want you to take off on this. I will, and I'd love to hear your story as well. Um, yeah. You know there are there are a kind of a team of professionals that we all need as dentists. Some people even call them something like their board of directors, which I love that term. And that is every dentist is going to need an accountant, an attorney, an insurance person, um, a financial planner, possibly a lease negotiator. Nowadays, we might feel that we need an SEO specialist and these things are all great, but there are people that do this who specialize in working with dentists. I mean, there are accountants who work exclusively with dentists. There are attorneys who work exclusively with dentists, um, SEO people. Why would you use anyone else maybe to save a few bucks? I mean, so many times we make that mistake. Oh, my accountant, you know, he, he works with a few dental practices. He also does some restaurants. He does dry cleaning business. You know, he works with a, a horse stable and a, and a pet cemetery. It's like, well, this person may be a, a whiz they may know the tax codes backwards and forwards, but there are nuances to dental practices that he or she does not know because dental work exclusively with dental practices. I want my accountant to know exactly what my overhead should be. I want my accountant to know how much team members should be getting paid. I want them to know what my production per hour should be. Uh, all these different things. And only an accountant who specializes in dentists knows that. Let's just say that you are um, making an agreement where you have an associate and your associate is buying into a partnership. Again, these are really nuanced, specialized things. And sure, your attorney may have written 100 business agreements, but if they've written 100 dental practice associates becoming partners dental business agreements, no, unless they specialize in dentists. So why would you ever want to work with a person who doesn't do this? It's so, you know, how many times in your life, in your dental life, do you need an attorney? four, five, six times tops, why not use one who really, really understands dentistry? It just makes so much sense. And lease negotiators, wow. If you are renting space and you're not using a lease negotiator, first of all, you are leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars out of your pocket because um, your landlord expects you to come in with a lease negotiator and they love dentists because we're so naive. We just sign on the line and think, well, I'm never gonna get a good deal like Chipotle because they have got thousands of, no, you can use a lease negotiator and use one that understands dentists. They can get you a build out. They can get you free rent. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. So you got to work with these specialized professionals. What's your story, Wes? 
No, it's real quick. I don't want to take your time away, but when I saw this question, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Uh, about five years ago, uh, a young dentist who is a, a fan of the podcast called me up and asked me to be on his advisory board. And I'm like, whoa, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. I never thought of that. And uh, he goes, yeah, I have an attorney. I want a senior dentist. I'm about 30 years older than he is. And, you know, I have an attorney. It, just to your, all, to, all to your points, Rich. And I never, I never realized it. And it's brilliant. Well, you know, some people say like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have my nephew design my website. He's great with computers. Well, he may be great with computers, but he has no idea what to put on a dental website. So always don't be cheap. I know I'm a dentist. We're all cheap. I understand. But there are times when it's worth maybe spending a few extra bucks to work with people who really, really know what they're doing. And those are our specialized professionals. And if anybody wants some um, recommendations or suggestions, there's a good chance that I know someone in your area or somebody who works with, with people nationally. So um, hit me up, send me an email, rich, R-I-C-H at mado, M-A-D-O-W.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's great. I think we can squeeze one or two more, and I'm really having a good time, so I'm doing it. I am too. This is this is my ship. I'm a Navy guy, ex-Navy guy, so I'm charting a course here. Uh, the next dumb thing, <laughs> which I think is number <laughs> number seven, okay, not calibrating their practice. Let's talk about that because this is another really important one. It really is, and there are two ways to calibrate your practice. So I'll just try, and I think they're both important. So I'll just go real quickly through both. Um, what I typically talk about when I say calibrating your practice means that if a patient asks a question to the dentist and then the hygienist and then the dental assistant and then the person at the front desk, in most practices I visited, they get a different answer from everyone and it's unacceptable. So it's so important to calibrate your practice, which means that when a patient asks a question, whether it's clinical, business, whatever, we all need to be cross-trained and know a little bit about the back and the front. They're getting essentially the same answer from everyone. So real quickly, write down all your frequently asked questions. Have each team member do it, because obviously the hygienist is getting different questions than the insurance specialist. Call a team meeting, review these questions, come up with the best answer for every single frequently asked question. Could be anything from, why didn't this tooth hurt until you did the filling, to why doesn't my insurance cover 100% of this gum therapy you're trying to push on me, doc, you know, whatever it is. We get these questions all the time. Come up with your best answer, work on it, refine it, whittle it down until you've got the great answer, and then have everybody in your team memorize this answer. Not so you can spit it out with a robot, because everybody's got to use their own style and their own words. But so when a patient asks a question, they're getting consistent answers from everybody on the team. And then there's a kind of a second calibration, which I'll call clinical calibration. And it's amazing how we don't really think about this in our dental practice, but that is every team member needs to know kind of the doctor's standards for certain things, such as why do we do a crown instead of a multi-surface restoration? Where, you know, where do we draw that line? Why do we recommend scaling root planing for some patients and not for others? And then refer some to a periodontist. You know, what, why do we do some endo and not do others? So everybody needs to know the answers to these questions. So when a patient says, well, why, why can't you do a, a big filling? Why can't you just do a filling instead of a crown? Why can't you do that root canal in here? I don't want to go to a specialist. Everybody needs to know what our practice's standards are so they can act accordingly. That's calibration. I love that. I love that. All right. We're uh, first and 10 at the goal line. So this is the last one. So we we're in the red zone. On this, one. <laughs> this is the last, the last dumb thing that we do. 
putting anyone with a pulse at the front desk. Yeah, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah, I want to refine it though, because I think it's really important. Sure. sure. And that, you know, look, these days we're all in the employment crunch and we're, we're kind of feeling desperate, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's so funny. Sometimes um, we'll, we'll need a new team member and we'll hire someone and we'll just, oh, just put the new person at the front desk, say, here's the phone, pick it up when it rings. But the front desk is, it's just the key to everything. And look, I'm a dentist, you're a dentist. I'm not diminishing our skills and our roles, but if we don't have a crackerjack ace at the front desk, we're not going to have patients to treat. So I think so many times we kind of underrate the importance of that person who picks up the phone. And we don't get them the proper training. And again, they need to be able to not just put patients in the appointment book, but present an incredible experience, especially for that new patient who calls. Again, I do secret shopper calls all the time. And it's amazing how people are so blase and you get the feeling that they'd rather do anything except talk to this new patient. You know, when you're answering that phone at your dental office, you've got to sell the practice. And there's so many easy ways to slip into the conversation. You will love Dr. Blakesley. He's so experienced at implants, but he's so kind and gentle and he's patient and he treats his patients so well. We all come here. We bring our families here. You'll love this office. Just little things like that. The front desk person needs to do. They need to slip these things into the conversation to get the patient to know they called the right place. It's just so, so, so important. I always uh, kind of <clears throat> ask my, my front desk, when you're talking to new patients, talk about their children and their pets. Those are, those are <laughs> two, two vectors to their heart. And generally that can turn any patient. And that's, that's always worked for us. Uh, it's so true. You know, a little non-dental chit-chat is so important when somebody calls on the phone, get to know them a little bit. They're not just, you know, scaling and replaning in a couple of crowns. They're a real human being. And if we treat them as such and get to know them, you know, it's a really, really great point you made, Wes. These things, they, do they take a little more time? Yes. Do they take a little bit more skill? Absolutely. But they're so, so important. And I'm telling you, man, during the team meetings, do the dreaded, the hated, the feared role-playing <laughs> because it really, really, team members hate it. It puts them on the spot. And I understand, I don't blame you, but if we do this role-playing during our team meetings, it just enhances our skills for when the real thing happens. Absolutely. Rich, I could, uh, I could go another half an hour, but we're going to probably run out of recording time. I really enjoy this. I mean, we had uh, such great energy, great conversation uh, between two dentists who've worked in dentistry a long time. And, and you just had to bring this other dimension in of uh, having been a practice consultant uh, for many uh, years, which is so invaluable. Thanks for sharing your expertise and experience with us here at the AGD. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor. AGD is an incredible organization and I'm just glad to participate. We actually donate every year to the AGD Foundation one full day of speaking. And I think people bid on it at an auction, which is just hilarious. And it's always so much fun and just our, our pleasure to do at the Matter Center. So I know I met you in a meeting at the speaking consulting meeting. I think it was 2011 in, in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I know you speak for study clubs and, and uh, AEID and so on. So again, what's the best way for people to uh, reach out to you to uh, you know, secure your services at a meeting or a study club? Oh, well, thanks so much for asking. You can actually email me directly. Um, even though we have a team that takes care of that stuff, I love to hear from people directly. My email is rich, R-I-C-H, 
at Maddo, M-A-D-O-W.com. I'd love to hear from you about anything, even if you just want to chit-chat or ask a question about things that we talked about today on the podcast. Our website is Maddo.com, M-A-D-O-W.com. And if you're a person who loves to use the phone, you can call our office at 410-526-4780. That's how to do it. All right, thanks. And guess what? We're going to do another one of these. We're going to do another one. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to. It's so much fun. Thanks all for right. your enthusiasm and, and uh, all those other great things you bring to the table. Appreciate it so much. Well, I love dentistry and I love being with people who share my love for dentistry. So thanks. I had a great time. Same. Thanks.